Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you with addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, or even improving sleep. Founded by a father and son in recovery, they truly understand the needs of the sober community. Learn more at exactnature.com and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. Exactnature.com. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am. I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to thesobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and spending part of your day with me here on The Sobriety Diaries. Today is such a fun episode, and since recording actually has turned into much more. Today I'm talking to Chelsea Rose Fitzy. You know her from TikTok and Instagram from the Lobster Clam Lighthouse Santi Shisha. The, 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 the Lobster Clam The Lobster Clam Lighthouse Santi Shisha. The Lobster Clam Lighthouse The Lobster Clam Lighthouse Santi the Lobster Clam Lighthouse Shanty. You know her from the Lobster Clam Lighthouse Shanty Sea Shack. Wow. Yes, that's it. She plays all of our favorite characters from the restaurant business and is five years sober. And we have a pretty deep but funny conversation about the ebbs and flows of recovery, where we each are in our sobriety journey and our tools that we can pull from our toolbox and use at different points in our sobriety. And I think that's something important to remember that our recovery journeys are not linear. They ebb and they flow and we use different tools and tactics at different times in our recovery. And that is a huge part of our conversation today. So this actually is part one of my time with Chelsea. And part two will be coming to you very soon. We have decided to record more things together. So stay tuned for that. Super exciting. She's such a great person and has so much to offer. So let's open the diary on Lynn, Charlie, Rachel, and of course, Chelsea. I'm here with my new friend, Chelsea. Chelsea, thank you so much for making time and agreeing to share your story on the Sobriety Diaries. I'm so excited to chat. I'm so happy to be here. I've never done anything like this. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I'm super happy to be your first podcast, if that's what yeah. you're telling me. That's um, what I'm telling you. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. We we share um, my favorite murder in common, and we <laughs> share some other things in common. So, murderinos, murderinos. That's right. 
well, I usually like to start our chat by uh, inviting you to share when was your last drink or drug and why was it that day in particular? My last drink was in 2017. And I believe it was February 1st to the 2nd. So wee hours of the morning. Yes. Um, but my, I go by my sobriety date is February 2nd. I've all, I'll always go by that. Um, why was it my last drink? I was headed to detox and, um, I don't know if this is relatable. I'm pretty sure it is, but on my way to detox, I really liked to just get that last, um, like I, this was my fourth time going or my third time. Um, I knew the drill and yeah. I figured it wasn't going to be my last and, um, I don't know. I, I, and at that point, honestly, when it comes to where I was at in my alcoholism, I had to drink like physically, yes. I would get sick. That's why I was going to detox. Obviously I don't have to say that, but, um, so in my mind, I use that as an excuse. So I would drink to excess. Um, so that's why that's the last time I drank. I was drinking to, I thought it was the last time I was going to drink forever set amount of time. Right. I totally relate to that. And you mentioned that you had been there uh, maybe a time or two prior to that. What do you think was it about this time that stuck? Or why were you back a third time, I guess? And uh, what made it different about this time? Lots. There's a lot to unpack in that question. Good. I might talk for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why was it the last time I drank fear? I was never afraid of alcohol until that, uh, not even that night. It was actually four days later. Um, fear kept me sober long enough to see results. It was my third time back because I had gone many other times with genuine, like genuine hopes to stay stopped, but I never came, I never changed anything when I came back. Um, I would come back from detox to the same home, to the same relationship, to the same friends, to the same job. I would go to bars drinking, you know, like Sprite or Coke, and I would be doing all the same things, smoking cigarettes, being around people drinking the way I drank. And no wonder um, that I picked up. Even deeper than that, the reason why it was the third or fourth or third time I was trying to get sober was because I never was able, I was never sober long enough to see what was going on mentally. And there's so many things that contributed to my alcoholism, but the main theme is that I never used alcohol or drugs as a recreational fun tool. Mm. I used it from the first time I drank to the last night in my dad's basement. It was the exact same thing. 14 year old me and 26, seven year old me was the same thing. I was drinking alone. Wasn't going to detox when I was 14, but I was drinking alone and I was drinking because I was really depressed and sad and something happened where I couldn't emotionally handle it. Um, that's what was going on emotionally. Like I drank to get rid of a feeling. I drank to get rid of fear, anger, guilt, resentment, any, anything in a negative light. I couldn't bear it. And I would always drink when big things happened in my life. So 
I hadn't fixed that or tried to even fix that any time that I got sober. So of course, when anything would happen, so I'd be sober for a week or two, and then something would happen that I couldn't possibly handle right. sober. And I would pick up because I had absolutely zero idea how to be sober. It had been so long since I had done anything sober. I hadn't even brushed my teeth sober in five years mm. or probably brushed my teeth at all. At all. So, right. so <clears throat> there are many reasons why it was a fail. You know, one of my, uh, my last stitch effort on many failed attempts to get sober. And th- those are, those are them. So you said something that my sponsor and I talked about not long ago, and it is this cycle that we can create of, you know, sort of almost getting to the point where we start to realize benefits of not drinking and almost getting to the point where the quote, you know, the miracle happens, which we hear in the room sometimes, but bailing last minute or bailing because, you know, in your words, something big happens that we couldn't possibly, you know, deal with sober. And it starts to cycle all over again, right? We bail right before we see any progress or we bail before we see any of the positives that start to happen, whether it's with our body, with our mind, you know, that fog starts to lift. Mm hmm. Uh, I think is is a common story to be told, you know, that that we bail on on sort of the the ride, you know, right before some of the good stuff starts to happen. And I think that's why we see we see so, so many people relapse and come in and in and out of the rooms. Yes. It's also just as common to see that not happen. I don't understand people um, not in a negative light at all. I just don't understand the people who stopped and stayed stopped. And it doesn't make sense because I did eventually, but these people on their first, some of these people out there, they've stopped on their first try. That's just not my story. And then also what could be my story is I could relapse. I could, it could, it could be that either something I couldn't possibly handle in sobriety and I go out. It's like, I have to just keep such vigilant, Like it was such a, I have to just, I don't know. I try to keep my mind so open to the possibility that this, this is like an ongoing thing for the rest of my life. And it is a mine and only mine. And I really try hard not to like compare myself, but it's hard because I I did, this did take me three tries. Um, So it scares me that I think that's like almost part of my fear of, of um, staying sober is like, I've relapsed three times already. Who's like, I have to be careful. Yeah. So, um, fear plays a big role for me, fear of relapse. And, um, I'm not ashamed of that because I know that it's like, everything is temporary. My alcoholism for right now was temporary. Yeah. So this feeling has to be, it has to, it must go, it's going to, but for whatever reason, I'm still very much afraid of alcohol and alcoholism and relapse. And it's so interesting because I, I guess technically am one of those people who got it on the first try. Uh, I went, I went to inpatient treatment. I went to, to rehab and did six weeks and I came out and by some grace of, of God or, or whatever being is, watching over me, you know, that was six and a half years ago. But to your point, relapse may be part of my story. 
I work every day my hardest to to make sure that it's not and right you know but it hasn't been yet thank god you know but but who's to say that it isn't so i too keep that fear and i and i hope that like it doesn't consume my life by any means but i want to sort of always feel that because that has been part of what has kept me sober, to be honest. And I was talking to my friend earlier. She, it's funny you mentioned radio. She works in radio too. She's on a morning show here in town and they were playing clips of the Johnny Depp trial. And there was a clip of him and it was like seven in the morning and he was wasted and chugging a bottle of wine and (laughs) We were both wine drinkers and it was like, it just brought me back to this place and it turned my stomach. And I always want to feel that way when I see someone who's like drinking in the morning or see a story about someone who's wasted and gets in a fight. I want to keep that feeling of disgust thinking back of the, you know, of, of myself being in that position, just the same as like, I want to keep that bit of fear. My therapist used to say, I used to have a problem in early sobriety. I was really, really proud of myself, but I was kind of ashamed of my behavior on how proud I was. Mm. So like, I would like basically would be like, nice to meet you. My name's Chelsea. I'm sober. Like they'd be like, oh, cool. And I'd be like, no, but you don't get it. Like I was really bad. Didn't you ever see me? Like you had to have seen me around town. Like I was telling the mailman, I would tell the flowers. I would tell the box of cereal. I wouldn't. I don't care if you had a heartbeat. I would tell you that I was sober. <laughs> and she's like, Chelsea, one day you will be at a place where sobriety is part of you and not who you are. But right now it's who you are. And that's that's okay. Like, you don't have to be embarrassed that you're very vocal about it. And I was like, I tell everyone. Like, I told my <laughs> dentist. Like, I was just like, <laughs> I, it was just like, so that pink cloud, right? Yeah. And like I And I told her, I said, there will never be a day where I don't talk like this and it's been five years and pregnancy and having that baby. I forgot I was sober for weeks at a time. Like I would forget everything. I'd wake up and be like, Oh my God, am I still sober? Because I would forget like that. I'm supposed to be on this path of sobriety. And I'd be like half, half awake, like middle of the night, like breastfeeding, like, Oh wait, oh my gosh. I'm sober. I'm three years sober. Like, okay, okay, you're still sober. Okay, it's okay. Like it's like life does happen eventually in, in like any other trauma or tragedy in your life. Like life moves on, it helps you heal, time heals. And I it is a part of me now. It's not who I am anymore, just at five years. Yeah. But the fear, that part has not like changed. Because right. when I do think of it, I'm still really like. Oof, that was some scary stuff. That was some hard shit I went through. Like that was really abnormally horrible. Uh, yes. um, and I don't want to be back in that space. I listened to some of these. Have you ever heard of the Share podcast? Yes. Yes. Okay. So O was the is the host. Yeah. When I first got sober, I had to find something to and I did this subconsciously, right? I didn't plan this. I talk about it now. Like I planned this, like I had to find, no, (laughs) I literally, it was, it was a survival instinct. I honestly think because I would get in my car after work, I would go home, shower, get dressed, go back in my car, head to toe. Like I'm going out. 
cafe Nate, like <laughs> heels, yes. rings, gla- like the whole thing. And I would drive around this small island for four hours listening <gasps> to that podcast. Wow. That's it. And then I would go to the eight o'clock meeting and I had to fill that time yeah. with when I would be out plastered. Right. Even or home plastered. Didn't matter where I was, the beach, home, plastered in general, just drunk. Yeah. Inebriated blackout drunk by like eight o'clock always. So I'm, I didn't dawn on me until, you know, months in when I started, I got a buddy. One of my best friends got sober 41 days after I did. And I started picking him up and bringing him with me. Love it. (laughs) I'm like, we're going to, yeah. He's like, how can you drive for three hours? I grew up on this Island. It's only 15 miles. I was like, we're doing it. (laughs) I would just drive in circles. (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I I always like to ask moms too. Like there's the you know the the parents who drank prior to and got sober after being a parent and then mm-hmm. you know there are moms who get sober before kids come around and can't imagine being, mm-hmm. you know, in that state or doing the shit that we did in our our addiction and being a parent as well. Can you imagine going through what you have in the last two years as a mom and still being a slave to the bottle as well? This is fun for me to answer every time somebody asks that because there was no way I was having a baby. I was dating women. So <laughs> it left. And I was in a committed relationship. And I, only, I mostly only dated women in my 20s. So, um, and I thought that was forever. Yeah. My sexuality. I have, I knew it when I was a kid. I had no idea what I was doing from like 14 to 26. Yeah. And then I got married to a man and I, that surprised me. And then, (laughs) and now it wasn't until I had my son that I realized how I felt when I was a kid. And I looked it up online and there's a definition for it. Of course there is. It's 2022. Right. But it's like when I, I, will only be intimate with somebody unless I have a friendship with them first, which the definition is demisexual, which I don't identify that way. But if you were to ask me and you were hip, that's probably how I'd answer it because you know exactly what it meant. Right, Most people right. are like, what? Yeah, I'm say, like, well, I know. I never heard of it in my life. I'm going to ask you to spell it for me so I can Google it. <laughs> it is. And that's what it is. And that's how I've always, how I've always felt I would fall in love with somebody I had a deep relationship with friendship with, and then it would turn physical wow. or it wouldn't. I mean, like, cause I hate to say it cause it makes my friends think like, are you in love with I me? Know, right. No, but I, I have, <laughs> okay. You're like blowing my mind because one of my best friends, I've always said this about, like you always fall in love with like your best friends. Yeah. And so I'm like, just picturing her as you're saying this. And it's so funny because she dates women and men too. It's like she develops this exactly what you're saying, this deep friendship first, and then it turns physical. Nature versus nurture, right? Like that question, like I was obviously born with this beautiful heart where I care. I don't care about gender. Yeah. I wouldn't care how anybody labeled themselves. If I was your best friend and I fell in love with you and we had this deep connection, I wouldn't care. Yeah. But I think a part of it, has to do with sexual and verbal manipulated abuse by Mm. people I trusted as a child. Mm. So for me, sex 
and physical touch is only bumped from people who I love and trust. Yeah. That's how I was like, that's how it got physical touch got implanted into me and printed. So I would be shocked if I didn't talk to other adults that were abused sexually as a child or verbal, because there's such thing as sexual abuse that's just verbal. Right, right. I can tell you all about it, but by somebody you trust that they might have the same type of relationships as a, as an adult. Wow. It's just where that... my mind, I, that's what I've been meditating on. Yeah. I don't, I do believe I would still be the same person if that never happened to me. But the part where I fall in love deeply with people or the part where I'm like not intimate, unless I really trust you, yeah. that part's really hard for me to be like, was I really born that way? Cause like one night stands are fun. Like, I, I've heard, <laughs> but I can't do it. Yeah. I can't. <clears throat> yeah. That's a, that's a good point. It's like hard to look back on the behaviors that were okay to us then, right? Yeah. When really it wasn't us or the standards, you know, looking back at shit like that's tough, right? So horrible. Yeah. I, it's just, it's because it was never, and like, for, I don't know about you, but for me, there was always this like tiny little Chelsea, just like, oh, why did you do that? Yeah. That was really not who you are. Yeah. Like she, that little voice, like never, ever left, especially not going to AA and then relapsing. Yes. That kicks you in the teeth. It sure does. Cause you know, all this stuff about yourself. Cause you're like, I'm alcoholic. Right. Here's all this stuff. That's so secret and horrible. Never mind. I'm going to go back out. And then I had to sit there and drink all over again, but oh. now knowing all these things. And I yes. did that three times. Mm. I want to ask you about kind of going off what you just said, because I've heard more recently, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, I think AA was kind of like the only way, right? And mm -hmm. now there's like a bigger focus on different support groups and this online recovery community and, you know, different paths to recovery other than the rooms. And I think uh, one piece of feedback uh, that I hear about uh, a 12-step program sometimes is, is that sort of rehashing things that we did, you know, in, in active addiction and not sort of putting them behind us, but bringing them to the light time and time again. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Did, I mean, we both, we both, you know, got sober or used a 12 step program as part of our recovery. Do you find it hard to tell your story and rehash some of those things? Or is it therapeutic for you? Right now where I'm at in my sobriety, my, just like anything else, ebbs and flows. So in that is like my toolkit of the things I use to stay sober. AA yeah. is one of those things. Right now, it's not really one of those things. It's in the, it's the ebbing and the flowing is it's very, it's been like this for a while. Um, and I just, right. I just told you that, right? <laughs> but I'm gonna, th this is the thing. We know it works because yeah. it's been working since what the forties. Yeah. When was it created? 30, right? 1936, maybe? Yeah. You're better than me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we know it works. Yeah. It hasn't really changed. The way I see things that you don't, you can, you can help things that are, even though they're not broke and fix them to make them better because they're out of date 
Yes. I don't feel, I feel like the way it is right now saved my life. So we know it works. It's probably never going to change and that's okay, but I'm changing. So for me, I get little like buzzes in my ear of uncomfortableness now at certain words because I feel like I'm part of that ascension that's like happening right now where everybody's kind of waking up, not everybody, but most of these people, most of the people that I surround myself with spiritually are just kind of awakening to like a, this is all bigger than it seems. And it's, there's more to life and there's a, I could go on and on. Yeah. So, and with that whole vibe that I'm riding right now, I'm realizing that I don't, want to be in a space like I used to want to be where I need to relive that over and over again every day. Yeah. Um, I do that enough already. I do think it works because it, it, it did. I cannot say that enough. We yeah. know it does. There's we proof it, it does. does. Right. I'm sober. Yes. But I've changed and it scares me to say that out loud and hear it because oh. I was like, I'm not going to say program, but I was taught in certain 12-step programming, maybe not during a meeting, but definitely by, by people who have longer sobriety than me, that the talking like that means you're headed towards a drink. Yes. And it's, God. and I'm honestly, those, I feel more awake than them. I, 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 I do too. I, I feel more what you're clear. saying. So yeah. I'm feeling like what you're saying. So you have goosebumps like strongly me? right now. Look at these. Yes. I feel this, I'm scared to say it out loud, but I am evolving and my recovery has evolved to a place where I like, it is Aren't you more just so than peaceful? Just yeah. Yeah. Don't and you I really feel so am. peaceful? And I you can do. feel it. You can mm-hmm. see it. It's yeah. like in a horrible world where everything is like shitty and it's fucked up and it's hor- yeah. and you like, you turn on the news and you're like, Ugh. I feel so peaceful. I'm yes. meditating twice a day. I'm helping people stay sober on TikTok. Like I'm a stay at home mom. My life is so great. I finally figured out my mental health, which I want to get into before we're, before we close up. Um, and I might go back to my negative old grouch. Yeah. Or I might get back to a space where I forget and I need to go back and talk about it with a bunch of people that are just like me, but I don't feel like I fit in. Right. Right. Yeah. But right now it's just not where I'm at. And I am so tired of feeling like I can't say that <laughs> without Let's the fear yeah. of like that kind of talk is leading towards a drink. This is my whole thing. This is why I talk about on my lives. Yeah. I love to preach as sobriety. Shouldn't it? This is my, this is my opinion. I get so worked up about it. <laughs> I get so worked up about it. I get, I get made us. fun of on my lives. People are like, whoa, soapbox. <laughs> but I, I, I don't look at the comments. And I just talk into the screen, but I'm like, I feel like I'm just trying to speak what I meditate. What I learned in my meditation is that literally life or sobriety is life and death for me, right? It's not like that for everybody. So sobriety is whatever you need it to be. Can we say it again? Yeah. There are no fucking rules. That's why there's no rules in AA. That's why there's no rules in 12-step programming. There's no freaking rules. So why does that apply to how you stay sober? It doesn't. So if I tell you I'm sober, but on Easter I do crack, then I'm sober, <laughs> but not on Easter. But, not but on that's Easter. my sobriety. Right. 
that, and I just respect. So I respect my sobriety so much. I can I have to morally do the same for others. So that's a great I point. Yeah. There's so want, much like judging other people's path and other people's story and other people's version of recovery or I don't care. Yeah. I don't either. I, Bless and it you. Was a Good switch. for you. I'm happy. It was a switch because I used to, when my yeah. dad got sober, my dad is um, eight years sober. He fell. He's a, he owns his own construction business. He falls a lot. He's very clumsy. <laughs> he fell almost to his death. He survived because uh-huh. he's Tom and he's going to survive a fall. He falls a lot. Uh, but in the hospital, he was going, I'm sober. You can't give me that. Get in. You can't give me Valium. You can't give me Oxy. You can't give me, he's telling me, you, you can't. He's like, Tom, you like you, your back is broken. Wow. You almost got paralyzed. He's like Tylenol, Tylenol. So they never, he never got them. Holy he did shit. Tylenol and Motrin. What? But now he's okay. like three years sober at this time. So now he starts smoking marijuana for the pain. Yeah. And he calls himself sober. And for years, I would berate him, talk to him about meetings, try to get him to go to them, which mm. is against the rules because there's no rules. Uh, sat my stepmom down and tried to convince her to convince him to stop because he's ruining his life. He's replacing one drug for the other. When my son was born and I started feeling this like awakening and this like burst, I can't explain it, but my, my soul burst open and I have empathy and I don't care about anybody else's business, but my own. Yeah. That's what my son in like 2020 did to me. So I just, and now when, when people ask me, I'm like, my dad's fucking sober eight years. Can you believe that? Cause that's how he identifies yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah. He could have taken those pills. Right. He didn't. And now he's still sober and he's on this great path because he's not ruining his life with marijuana. Right. And I think the the intention behind it says a lot too. And he's not sick. Right. He used to be so sick. Yeah. That's why I say, it's like, how could you possibly think someone's going towards a drink if they're not doing what they always do? Why would you want to keep doing what you always do? I want to grow. Yes. I want to evolve. I want to, I like to learn new things. I meditate. I can't sit like... I know I Twice do too. A day. That's the only time that I can sit still too. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's let's touch on mental health and how it, how it plays yeah. into our recovery. I want to talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Did did you you know I think <laughs> mental mental health is uh, sometimes goes hand in hand with addiction. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that as well. I just started seeing this brand new therapist. I've had I used to have this other therapist. I she was great. First four and a half years of sobriety, I had her from day one Mm. um, when I came back from detox that last time. So it was a huge, but like I said, I was going through this change. So I needed a new therapist because I needed a more spiritual one. Mm. So she's super spiritual. And um, I got a psychiatrist because she, my therapist gave me that kind of the push I needed because I am so afraid of being medicated in sobriety. I am so, so, so afraid of being medicated in sobriety. And I'm not sure if it's because of things I hear, people's like opinions, I'm saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like my the sober people that have a lot more years than me don't talk about mental health in yeah. a way of pharmaceutical, right? Right. It's not talked about. So we'll backtrack to my past. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was seven. I had a um, verbally abusive 
stepfather. That's how I remember the relationship. Um, as an adolescent, young seven-year-old, I remember feeling abused verbally. I was very afraid of this man. Um, and he did not like who I was. And the diagnosis of the ADHD felt very, like I knew what was going on. I knew that I had, was different. I got pulled out of the classroom. I got tested at my pediatrics office. I remember getting tested for this. Yeah. I remember thinking in my head about answering her, like the test they give you. Yeah. Like going over the answers in my head while she's asking me and then not remembering then not listening to her. So yeah. obviously I have ADHD. So yeah. like I, I had <laughs> during it and the I, and test. like during the test, I was like reading her lips, like, okay, I know, I know all the answers to these questions. So yeah. what am I going to tell her that I know all these answers? She's like, so, and I'm like, oh, wait, what? Like, <laughs> I uh, so hyper-focused. I, there's, I definitely had it in regards to my sobriety now, because of my past, the, because of the way medication was talked to me as a child, yeah. the, 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 what it was supposed to do, supposed to change me, supposed to make me more desirable, supposed to make it so I didn't have to stay in my room. Right. And like pay attention in school. So I'd be a better student. I would be able to pay attention. I'd be able to listen. I'd be able to sit still, not saying not hum, not dance. Yeah. Don't be loud. This is this medicine will help you do that because I was too much for everybody. Mm. It's so funny because that same person, as I was seven years old, is the exact same person that has 150,000 followers on TikTok. Say that. <laughs> so it's not, I know I just had the wrong audience yes. in my house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my Such fa- a good way my- to put it. Stepdad, it was the wrong, the wrong it wasn't audience. my niche. He wasn't my niche. <laughs> it was not target, my niche. Your target at audience. All. Nope. <laughs> no. He was not a fan. He would skip by, not interested. Scroll up. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Did not. It wasn't. And that's fine. It's totally fine. But it's weird because I was seven. Like, yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Like, if they're saying, like, this will change everything about you so take it yeah take well that this was like pill. What the doctor told me right yeah. but then you have like your family being like you didn't take your message you take your meds and you're like you watched me i'm seven like i yeah. take it at, like you take it at school or if i didn't take it it was like a big deal or it's not working or it's working too much and then i got very sick from it and my mom took me off but um so i went my whole life without medication and all i remember from it is that it changed me and in sobriety, there are a lot of people that abuse medication that would be given to somebody with my condition. Yeah. As did I. Recreational. Um, Adderall. So I was so afraid. And I used alcohol as a stimulant. Um, and I know it's a depressant. But when I'm wasted and I'm bartending six days a week I'm on yeah. like I am all over the place I, I I was like I could make drinks 12 different drinks and remember what everybody ordered and I I was just so good at multitasking while yeah. I was drunk yeah <laughs> and my ADHD like loved that shit it ate yeah. it up I needed to be st- like so I have always worked six days a week because I wasn't on medication for my condition my neurological disorder wow. I was treating it myself since yeah. I was since they took me off it at 10 years old, I've been treating it myself and my son gets born and I'm in over my head now. 
I'm depressed and I'm anxious. I get diagnosed with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. I get put on antidepressants. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. I feel more depressed. I feel more anxious. I feel more depressed. I feel more anxious. Um, the only bit of joy I have is when I'm doing my videos on TikTok because I feel like my seven-year-old self is getting the love she needed wow. through my followers. I'm like healing my inner child. People think it's just like, oh, you're a t- you're TikTok. Yeah. That's so stupid. I'm like literally saving my inner child. So have a nice day. Wow. Like you don't get it. It's not about yeah. the money. It's not about the merch. Like, of course that stuff's great. I sell it and I make money, but why wouldn't I? That's yeah. stupid. But like, capitalize when you can, girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, because it doesn't last, it won't last forever. So I have to u- utilize it now. But but really what I'm getting at is the self-care that I'm getting from it is crazy. Wow. And I'm sure you're getting the same from doing this. Absolutely. Right. It's so, so funny. Like I was just yeah. talking to, uh, we recorded an episode a couple of days ago and it dawned on me, like in the midst of the interview that I remember always wanting to be a talk show host and I would play talk show in my living room and always mm-hmm. pretend to be interviewing people. And I was like, how am I just realizing that I am fulfilling literally my eight year old self dream and healing and sort of making things better by, by now fulfilling that dream. And I get that. I totally get that. Do you say you meditate now? I do. I, I would like to take a lucky guess that if you really think about it, you probably somehow in your own little tiny little way, when you were a kid meditated because when I think back, I used to go into the woods a lot to escape my home and we would go camping a lot because we didn't have a lot of money. So that was like how we went. Like we weren't like extravagant. Yeah. And I would go by myself in the woods and sit in silence and I would know I'm not it. I was like eight years old thinking like looking at the trees, feeling the breeze, looking at the clouds, seeing a hawk. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not it. Like this is not. And I would do that a lot as a kid. And I, and I would know I wasn't, I was insignificant, but like still worthy. I just knew that it was way bigger than me. Just, like I have goosebumps. So like, I guarantee you, because you don't just start meditating at 30 something years old. Right? Right. I, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I used to do that often, actually. I, I mean, I was like. Yeah, so did I. Often, often. Wow. I didn't mean to make you emotional. No, I, I mean, that's. But I had a hunch. Yeah. Kind of speechless about that. Yeah, but for sure. I mean, those were like, yeah, I would have like the little quiet, moments. Little moments. Um, yeah. And you're like this but, big. Yeah, but and that would like, like reset me. Like I needed <laughs> yeah. those to like reset myself, mm-hmm. like reset my spirit. Like a lot of like the world was too loud for me and like mm-hmm. too much was going on. So like I would mm-hmm. take that time and like reset myself. Guarantee so, yeah. you. I knew it. it. Yeah. I knew it. Cause I did the same. And I like, I'm saying, like, why am I so good at this? I like yeah. I met it one day. I was like, I'm gonna set in a tent to have a memory. And I remember being at Miles Standish in Massachusetts, and I was on this hill in the deep woods by myself, and the sun was coming through. And you imagine a hill with all the trees standing up, right? 
Yeah. And the way the sun would come through the different trees. And I just knew I was like, yeah, I'm not it. Like, and I sat and stared at it in complete silence for like, I don't know how much time passed. Mm. And that was probably like one of the first times I'd ever like meditated as a child. I wonder if now, did you continue or like what, what, I would Puberty imagine that you probably, weren't. Yeah. Puberty probably took over. I <laughs> right. didn't have time for that. More important things happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm talking like little, like eight, yeah. nine, 10. Right. Same. Um, 11. Yeah. And then it was like, once I was 13, forget it. Forget 12 it. years old. Yeah. Forget until, it. Until like. Alcohol. Af- yeah. After I was sober. So. <laughs> exactly. two, or three, two or three years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodness, where would we be if we had continued meditation for the last 30 years? There would be, we would be tiny little Buddhas and we God. would be running the whole entire show. <laughs> we, we would, we would be it. We would mm-hmm. be it. <laughs> exactly. I would be getting paid a lot of money for this, for this interview. If yeah. I was going to say, you asked me, I wanted to get back to the mental health thing. So yeah. I, I, I was, um, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. Um, um, depression and anxiety was a side effect of untreated, diagnosed, undiagnosed, Mm -hmm. untreated ADHD. So I didn't have postpartum depression. I didn't have postpartum anxiety. It was anxiety and depression because my life is unmanageable. I felt drunk. No, I didn't feel drunk. I felt like I was still drinking because of the way my life was in array. Uh, um, and what happens is what I've learned from talking to psychiatrists, um, is that a lot of times women have children or caregivers and mental health issues that you have been managing without medication or without a therapy or without help from any outside source meditation or whatever, especially if you're not drinking or using drugs, um, become more present and they're more in the forefront because, all of your mental energy goes to this child, right? And I'm nursing. So no. like, like, I don't have time away. Sucking the life out of you. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I, I couldn't manage my life anymore. It was at the point where I was like, I am going against my own beliefs about sobriety, but are they even my own beliefs? Yeah, that too. And I'm going to talk up to a doctor about my ADHD because I think I have that. I was diagnosed when I was seven. I was on medication. Like- I, they took it away and I literally got an I in a lot of my classes in school. I'm a very smart woman. Yeah. I'm a very smart person. And I was failing my Not classes. An I. Oh shit. And I got an I in gym and I got like an F and I got like just like things because anxiety and like the, I just can't play sports because I'm just like so spazzed out. Um, and I hate doing things I'm not great at. And that's about control. And like, it's like a whole issue. It's like, you'd be so interested to like deep dive into ADHD. Wow. It's yeah. very interesting. I'm able to, f- once I learned about it from my psychiatrist and I like literally downloaded books on my Kindle because I need to know everything. And then like, just the fact that I need to know everything. Yes. I was like, oh, that was like chapter one. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's chapter it's- one, sentence one. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. in that have this diagnosis use drugs and alcohol. So it's a huge part of my story that I had no idea. Wow. And how many times have I told my story and wondered why I did all these horrible things in this sequence of events? It's just like, how could you possibly be that like of uh, a hot mess? Like, how are you that bad? And it's like, well, cause 
I didn't, I, I can't, I can't, I don't know how, like I physically, like I mentally cannot do certain things. Mm. I, I'm different, like wired different or something. I don't, I, I'm still learning because I used to hate it because it was such a horrible memory of my childhood being, yeah. being told this. So I had a really long talk with her and um, very honest with her. And we have a very close, open relationship because of me, because I'm a chatterbox and I will never lie. I don't lie. Uh, well, that's good for your therapy I sessions, can't, at least. I can't <laughs> spend money. Yeah. Spend $200 at a psychiatrist and then yeah. lie the whole time. No. I'm so don't recommend it. <laughs> frugal. I can't, I can't do it. So I tell her, I'm like, listen, I can't be on Adderall. To trigger. Can't do it. I don't want to be on stimulants. I'm sober. I get on a non-stimulant ADHD off medicine. Um, and it doesn't work. And I'm uh. defeated. And I'm like, okay, back to dry more. She goes, well, I also suffer from an eating disorder, which we should just have a part two, apparently at this point. Yes. Part and, two. Uh, but this certain medication helps with eating disorders and it helps with it. It's an ADHD. It's a stimulant, but it's um, very popular for people who are in recovery because of the way it's designed. It's extremely, we're addicts, we'll find a way, but yeah. it's very hard to abuse. I gave it a month to see how I'd feel before I wanted to like talk about it. Yeah. And I'm, this is like, I haven't talked about it any of my lives or anything because okay. I hate that I'm on medicine. I'm still in this space. I, I cannot believe this is how people live their life. That's how I feel. I've, I, I never got jittery or euphoric or hyper. I, it sounded like somebody shut the running water off in the back of my mind. I can honestly tell you, this is the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And not one ounce of me feels high or drunk or it's not euphoric. It's not jittery. It's not like when I thought Adderall does or it's not yeah. Adderall, but I'm just I mean, a normal is, fucking person. Like an amazing revelation. Right. But I will talk for hours on the phone with my therapist today. Like <laughs> I did my poor Stacy. Shout out to Stacy. Stacy. Um, about how Stacey McGase, about how <laughs> I'm trying to convince her that I shouldn't be on this path. Right. Yeah. That I should be doing it white knuckled. I'm sober. And she's like, you are sober. She's like, you need this medicine. That's why it's working. Like if you didn't need it, it'd be very obvious. Yes. So it's really hard. That this is where I'm at. And it's it's hard for me. I'm trying to give myself some leeway who wants to be neurologically different like i'm already a sober person like ugh, and now i gotta add this onto it like <laughs> but also who wants to who wants to not live their life in your words the happiest that you've ever been ever been driving i don't uh. almost crash every five seconds i'm actually paying attention to the road yes it's like all these little things that I'm like, wow, adding alcohol was a really bad idea. Like I thought I was a superwoman on alcohol and like I could like really manage my life and just like multitasking. And I think really what it was, was guilt of being drunk while doing tasks, <laughs> just like trying to overcompensate. Yes. Because it doesn't make any sense that that would make it make me better when the complete opposite 
spectrum of a substance is what I needed. Right. Right. Maybe this will be the start of your next phase where you can not hold on to that fear to stay sober, but you can now embrace like the happy um, and like the I joy correlate that of being, with being drunk. That's for wow. Yeah. It's so hard. I have talked about it all day with Stace. Wow. I, me being this happy yeah. is like wasted Chelsea. Like, yeah. Damn. And so for five years in sobriety, I guess I have not been my happy go lucky self. And I had no idea. It was because I was like, I couldn't manage my life. I was yeah. miserable. Yeah. I yeah. cannot explain it. And I told my psychiatrist that she goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I think you might want to take this medicine. <laughs> um, Stacy might have to be a character, a patron at the restaurant. Stace. <laughs> Stace. She's just like, she'd walk in like this. Um, she's, she's the opposite of me. Stace. Lynn would like, Oh my God. You're in yeah. the wrong space. Yeah. You know, there's a yoga studio across the street from the lobster can light on shanty seat, Jack. I did not. Mm-hmm. Oh and the two, 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 22, two, two, whatever episode it is. <laughs> Lynn's yelling at somebody for parking in her parking lot. Cause they are using her parking lot for the yoga studio. Oh my God. Is there, I guess, is there a better transition to, to touch on TikTok than that? Um, how did this start? Well, I, I know how it started because I worked in the, restaurant business for fucking ever as well and i've seen every one of those people let's talk about the shanty how it started in my mind of like planning (laughs) sure was i the app came out and i said this is it okay this is the app because i was trying to make it on snapchat which unless you know people it's like hard to like be like follow me on snapchat follow me on snapchat follow me on snapchat my husband and i had this like two characters that we would do all the time um, and like the town and like our friends kind of knew and like would see our Snapchats and people would like share them or save them and whatever. They were hilarious. Oh, I love it. They were just two. We were buffoons. We were drunk. It was back yeah. when we were friends and just drinking. So that wasn't it. It didn't happen. Nothing happened. I'm like, oh, that was dumb. And then this app came out. I'm like, this is the one because I've been doing this since I was a kid. But you had the VHS set up. Yes. And yes. I would play like you were saying. Um a segment actually I want to do is going to be recreating old videos, which you should do that too. That's so much fun. I thought about that. Yeah. I decided it was going to work out for me on TikTok. Got um, it. I didn't care if it was 500 followers or two followers. I was going to make somebody laugh on this app. I knew I saw the editing part of it. I was like, Oh, I got this. This is yeah. exactly what I've been waiting for. And so it took me a while till I made a video after my son was born, maybe about six months, seven months. And then I started and um, at first it was just, I was trying anything, trying to find what people were going to gravitate towards. Yeah. And then I was meditating and I said, it's restaurants. Like I came out of the meditation. I ran downstairs. My sister was visiting and I'm like, I need a name. I need a name. that's really long and really new England. Really? Like she's like, what? I'm like, a restaurant. I need a restaurant name. That's really long, like six names. And I'm like lobster clam. And she's like lighthouse. And I'm like shanty. She's like shanty sea shack. And so I go, hold my phone, hold my phone, come upstairs, follow me. And she's like, what? She's like half asleep. I'm like, give me those sunglasses. Give me the coloring book. And thus the first viral video. The coloring book. And I never clean my house. I never put on makeup. That's the whole point is like, I'm 100% my little seven-year-old self trying to make you laugh. Yes. 
and just not getting yelled at for it. And actually some people, finding some people don't like it. But. And finding your target audience and yeah. your niche. Things happen really organically for me. Yeah. I if I get a feeling or an idea or I see something, I know it's going to work. I don't like try it out and maybe that will work. I saw my yeah. mom's glasses. I go, I need all the ones you have. She goes, yeah. what? I'm like, those pointy ones. Give me them all. Put them on. And Lynn was born like in that moment. Yes. It's and like, I'm like, oh wait, I got to go grab my Cape Cod sweatshirt. I put it on. And it was like, okay. At first I think I did one Lynn video with a Nantucket sweatshirt. I was like, that's on it. That's on it. That's too bougie. Lynn, mm. Lynn, uh, yeah, she yeah, smokes yeah. like yeah, she's yeah. Cape Cod. And I put, then that's when it like all started with the bun. And when did you start to introduce, you know, the sobriety and, and doing your sobriety lives and, and stuff. I made a sober video and then I did, I started doing these lives where I would do um, them in my bed on Friday nights or Tuesday nights. And I would just be in my bed and somebody's like, Oh, you're sober. Your husband's sober. Are you sober? Cause somebody saw the video. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm sober. And I started talking about it. And then every Tuesday, the same people, the same like 20 people would show up. Um, and then um, you get your, like, you've done TikTok lives. You get your analytics. I have yeah. like the most, I'm in the top tier of the most like return customers or like Amazing. Um, the most um, listeners. They stay the whole 40 minutes. Amazing. The list is like this where people like are staying. It's so hard to stay on a live. Like yeah. even I'm like, oh, I want so to leave. Hard. Yeah, it's, it's hard <laughs> to stay. Leave so it's hard to yeah. stay. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been very fortunate and um, I've grown a following. You're saving um, lives. Because when I tell you that I used to, it saved my life listening to that share podcast. So what you're doing is saving lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like you might not know it because nobody has the balls to be like, dear Nate, <laughs> you saved my life today. Thank yeah. you. So it's I've, just, just showing up and having a new podcast and having a new podcast and having a new yeah. podcast and showing up and showing up and showing up and giving out this material and this information enough and alone enough in its own is going to help. It's going to keep you sober, but other people who might necessarily might have not lived. Listening to a podcast, I pulled into the meeting instead of a liquor yeah. store. Yeah. Like that's these, what keeps, po- that's these what podcasts. keeps me going. Yeah, that's what keeps me going every yeah. week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy because like six years ago, you probably didn't even like. Oh, can you imagine sitting and listening to other people talk? Hell no. Ugh. No, no thank you. time for that. Uh-uh. I got booze to drink. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I could I could go on about <laughs> lots of stuff. <laughs> I, feel, I like, feel like, honestly, like, I kind of want to have a part two if you're down. I am down. I feel like you and I could really get into... Yeah, let's, um, like, go like, deeper on, on some stuff. Sobriety is, like, so insignificant in sobriety do you know does that make sense yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's like not really you, what it's about it's to it's totally not what it's about <laughs> it's it, such like the, the not like, drinking is like chapter one Don't not even drink. it's like the, yeah. what's that thing in the beginning the, the pre the table the, of contents yeah the prequel the, <laughs> the introduction the introduction <laughs> don't drink all don't right drink. now let's really talk yeah. about it. right Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guest. 
You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at the sobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, friends.